Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I love to go a-wandering along the mountain track and as I go I love to sing with my knapsack on my back Valderie, right yeah alright let, let's start it's the most annoying song let's be honest of all time um, but the happy wanderer of that song extraordinarily well equipped in comparison with the 72 if you read the NIV or if you want a proper translation, the 70 um, of uh, the NRSV, um, who are sent out, no knapsack on their back, no sandals, no food, no stop, no anything, really. Um, they are sent out entirely without equipment. Um, they make Bear grills look well-equipped, quite frankly, uh, the, the 70. The, the weird thing about Luke's Gospel's version of this story is that actually an entire chapter before in Luke chapter 9, we have exactly the same list. No, uh, no sandals, no money, no bag, no staff. But on that occasion, it's him sending the 12 out. It's almost as if it's like a, a chant that they all, no money, no bags, no stuff, that they all sort of know this as their, their rote concept of how they are going to go out and do mission on behalf of Jesus. This is the expansion of the mission. Jesus is now heading towards Jerusalem and that part where he talks about uh, the, the laborers of few but the harvest is plentiful is the issue where he actually needs more and more people to take on more and more of responsibility. It's a little bit like in Methodism, how you turn up one Sunday, that's fine. You turn up for a second Sunday, you get given a job within the church, as I'm sure we all know and have known over the years. The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few, and we so often feel that very much, don't we? There is more work, therefore, for them to do, and so more people are required. And if we look at the mission model that is often used throughout the New Testament, it is of people going out in pairs, just as the 70, 72 are here, and just as the disciples were a chapter earlier. Peter and John in uh, Acts, Paul and Barnabas, etc., etc., that they are sent out in twos because two people would therefore be qualified as if there were any incident that happened, you had the other person there to act as a witness to ensure that things were, were viewed as, as appropriate under the sight of the law. Take no sandals, no money, no bag, no staff. Those of you who were here last week, and I apologise again for the deployment of New Testament Greek, but that issue of the difference between the two words for poverty, tochos meaning destitute and penia meaning you're poor but you're just about to get along, that you sort of are okay but, you know, life is a struggle. That Jesus here is saying to his disciples and to his followers, when you go out ahead of me, I want you to equate yourself alongside those who are the tochos, those who are the destitute, 
be utterly reliant on the generosity and goodwill of other people. That way you will be able to empathise with those who really are struggling in life. But also that therefore it's a recognition of your own vulnerability. And with that he says that you are being sent out like sheep amongst wolves. He recognises that wherever people go and they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there will be significant opposition, that the world itself does not want to hear the good news, that there will be those who will receive, but there will be those who will offer opposition, and therefore going out into the insecurity, going out and being utterly vulnerable, going out and recognising that you are like the destitute, that is placing an ultimate risk upon your own life, but also it is the very nature of the risk-taking gospel itself, that we are called to go out to be vulnerable, to offer the good news to those who would reject it. The weird thing is that if you think about sheep, generally they are not very good at branching out on their own. They are not very good at uh, risk-taking. They might be stupid, but by and large, they're not very good at taking risks themselves, of going out ahead. It's not like a shepherd would often send the sheep out ahead of them, saying, look at my sheep, aren't they wonderful? Aren't they a credit to me and how good a shepherd I am? But Jesus here is saying, I am going to send you lot out ahead of me. And I'm going to send you out into a place where there are wolves, your natural predator, those who would destroy you quite willingly. There are going to be times in life where our faith is like that passage in Footprints. It was there at the darkest moments of your life. It was there that I carried you. And those will be the occasions for often for us where we need to be utterly reliant on God. But there are also going to be times where we are like the disciples, that we follow Jesus. That Jesus goes ahead of us and we follow behind But, and here's the killer, there are going to be times where God sends us out ahead, on our own, vulnerable, because he wants us to go ahead of him to prepare the way for him. He wants us to behave like John the Baptist, effectively. And in this reading, Jesus is commissioning those who would follow him, saying, instead of you now following me, you go ahead of me. You prepare the way for me so that I can come on behind you. That you go and prepare the ground for me. Now that is tough. Or as Billy Ocean would have said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That actually, it might be on occasions that God is sending each of us ahead to prepare the way for God, to be completely on our own, to be vulnerable. There's a, a story of, uh, in 1944, in December, um, the Germans broke through the Allied lines um, at a, a place in, in Belgium called Bastogne. And the only unit that was available to go and try and plug the gap was the American Paratroop Division, the 101st Airborne. 
and they moved in and immediately as they moved in the Germans encircled the whole town and they were they were trapped there in the middle and one of the uh, the colonels in that regiment turned to one of the other colonels and said don't forget it is the duty of a paratrooper to be surrounded that maybe for us as Christians, it is our duty to go out into those trouble areas where all around us, surrounding us, is dishonesty, is corruption, are lies, are everything that is counter to the Christian gospel, but that we are called to go in there and to offer hope and healing, to offer the good news of Jesus Christ, to go ahead of Christ into those situations not following not being held by God but going ahead of God and there will be times in our faith journey where we are called to be like that there are going to be those occasions where God is going to say to us have you got a grown-up faith have you got the kind of faith where at this precise moment, not that you depend on me, but can I depend on you? Now, that question was consistently asked of the disciples and for so long they kept on proving that Christ could not depend on them. But there were occasions where they didn't entirely mess up. I have to take a step back for a moment because we we have to confront the fact that this reading is a bit odd. Um, By and large, I don't think, even those of us who have been practicing Christians for long, we don't generally go around, wander around the local area and start condemning towns and villages. It's, It's not a normal part of life, if we're really honest. But yet it seems to be one of the the commands that Jesus is saying to them. As you go around, if you are rejected, then just wipe the dust off your feet as you go and you leave them behind in condemnation. The whole of that um, part of the reading reminds me of, of that great Ealing comedy, The Titfield Thunderbolt. And in it, there is um, a, a conversation between the, the Anglican vicar who feels he has a much higher calling than the Christian faith, and that is to preserve the local branch line uh, train uh, uh, system. And he is there as a result talking with the, the town clerk about the fact that the branch line is about to close for his village. And they're talking about the destruction of the railway system across the whole of England back in the 1950s. And there are these lines from that film. The Reverend Weech says, They can't close our line. It's unthinkable. The town clerk responds, What about the old Canterbury-Whitstable line? They closed that. The Anglican vicar replies, Perhaps there were not men of sufficient faith in Canterbury. A damning indictment, if ever there was one. (laughs) Are we going to go around and condemn towns and villages? Are there, I'm going to ask the question, are there people of sufficient faith in Canterbury to receive the good news? Or are we all here to to befall the same fate as Chorazin or Capernaum? As we go around, are we to find those people of faith that we can work with, 
But the issue is that we are going out, that we are expected to go out and to work with those outside of our comfort zones. One of the challenges that the Methodist Church is going to have to confront quite seriously is the way that it, it, it deals with mission. Too often, we assume that mission is, let's get people inside our churches. Let's have them come onto the place where we feel safe and comfortable. Let's have it where we play the host and they are the guest. Time after time, that is the model we offer. Jesus only once, really, plays the role of a host. And we're going to remember that later on in our service. There are occasions where, to quote Reggie Perrin's brother-in-law, there is a bit of a cock-up on the catering front and Jesus intervenes to to help deal with the situation, such as the feeding of the 5,000 or the wedding at Cana. But there's only one actual occasion where he plays the role of the host. The rest of the time, he is utterly reliant and dependent on the goodwill of other people. He is outside, moving around, offering the kingdom. Now, are we as Methodists prepared to shift our mission structure so it's not that we play the role of the host, but more and more we play the role of the guest outside, of true humility and dependence on others, and in so doing we demonstrate how Jesus himself operates. The disciples were called to true humility, to be dependent upon others. And then Jesus says to them, as you go out, you are to do three things. Of course, it's a sermon. It has to be three things. Firstly, to receive hospitality from whoever. And if you will not receive hospitality because they're not going to offer it, then just move on to somebody else. Secondly, to offer healing. And the third is to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the kingdom of God is within your grasp. In other words... Get to know your community. Don't assume that they understand you. Go out there and work alongside and get to know those outside. In that healing process, to overcome the very barriers that people might have to a fullness of life. So not just healing in terms of physical or mental uh, illnesses, but also to overcome, the, to heal those divisions and wounds within society that exclude or destroy or denigrate people's lives. And lastly, to preach, to live out, to demonstrate that Christ's kingdom of healing and justice and peace is present. In church, if you want to paralyze anything, you start using the word mission. That's the problem of what has happened over the past 20 years. And we've ended up with a load of absolute rubbish being spoken about mission. So the moment you say mission, that means we're going to do absolutely nothing, by and large. It's, it's um, the default position so often within the church. And we end, we've ended up creating words that actually mean nothing or that person's being very missional. I still haven't got a clue what it means. Nobody has a clue what it means. I think it means the person's being a bit of a prat, but I'm not quite sure, but uh, I'll come back to you on that one the more I investigate it. And also, we've ended up where some people are now called missioners. 
as if somehow only one or two individuals can actually have the skill set to actually go and live out being followers of Jesus Christ in all its fullness. This is a false gospel when that is being suggested. Every single one of us can follow Jesus Christ. Every single one of us can have the faith and the strength and the courage to go ahead of Christ, to prepare the way for the kingdom of God. And every single one of us is being called to that as part of our Christian service. It is not for the few. It is for the entire body of Jesus Christ that is the Church of Christ throughout the world. So the moment somebody says to you, I'm a missioner or I'm being missional, you know that they're a fraud. Jesus expands the calling and commissioning. It is not just for the 12, it is for the 70, the 72, and then for them to get more and more and more followers. It is not a restrictive gospel by any sense of the imagination. So, this Sunday and every day from here on in, Jesus is calling you to follow him. There are going to be occasions, yes, where Jesus will hold you. Those times where you are vulnerable and you need it, you know that God is holding you. And the times I look back in my life and think, thank, thank God literally that you were there holding me at those deepest and darkest moments of my life. But I'm here to tell you also that God is calling each and every one of you that there are going to be times in your life where he is going to need you to go ahead of him and to prepare the way for him. Have you got the courage? Have you got the faith to be one of those pioneers of the gospel, to go ahead and to prepare the way for Christ? Can God depend on you? Can Christ rely on you? And my prayer this day and this week is that God will give each of us the wisdom and the faith we need to respond to those questions and to know how God is calling each of us this day. Amen.